Good morning. Sorry, I, I forgot how to start songs this morning, so uh, appreciate you being patient uh, with that. So um, we have had just, uh, everybody keeps asking after last week's message, is your house still full? Well, we're down two. And uh, so Justin and, and uh, the fake Danielle is what I call her. His girlfriend's name is Danielle too. So, because uh, my Danielle is the real Danielle. And so uh, Justin and Danielle, they left uh, yesterday to go back to Chicago and so he'll be back uh, reporting for duty uh, back on Tuesday. And so we were so glad to have them in and to meet her. She's a, a really neat girl. And, and so it's exciting when your kids, uh, and, and, and even my, I call all my youth kids, my big kids, when they uh, start to find their special someone and, and, uh, and they want to bring them home and introduce them, it, it's pretty cool. And, and so we have had lots of fun. My big kids, uh, Jaime and Lily, are here through Wednesday morning. And so make sure you hug on them before they uh, get out of here today because who knows when you'll see them next. And, uh, and so and, uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the tummy watch on Facebook, okay, and, and uh, see what's happening there. So uh, we are starting a new series today called Hashtag Blessed. Now, for those of you that are actually like my age and older, uh, I need to like, I'm still behind the times. And so all the social media stuff, People like to be tagged in things and or to tag groups of people or groups of a, like a concept. And so you'll see a, a, a hashtag will connect a whole topic. And so uh, it can be done like uh, Jimmy Fallon did a funny one called hashtag mom texts. And everybody texted like their funniest things like that their mother has texted on the phone, on, you know, has texted them. And so things like that. And so you can follow a whole topic just by looking up that hashtag and so and and one of the reasons why people use it is they use it to identify with how they're feeling at the moment or with a group so like uh, maybe a couple nights ago you might have said hashtag Buckeyes or something like that thanks for the most boring bowl game in uh, in Buckeye history appreciate the win but snooze and uh, and uh, you know love it you know good tackling but uh, and uh, go Big Ten. So we'll see if Michigan can can bat the perfect uh, eight and zero on the Big Ten this year. But uh, so hashtag whatever. And but the series is hashtag blessed. So I checked out the current. I, I went right to the current Twitter feed and, and got. I looked at all the Twitters and uh, I went to and looked at some of the top ones uh, that were coming in under hashtag blessed. Just got some great news. Hashtag blessed. Oh sure. You are the best part of me. Hashtag blessed. That sounds sweet. I can't complain. God been on my side. Terrible grammar. Hashtag blessed. Last day for this year. Hashtag blessed. Probably their last day of work for the year. Everything I said, it happened. Praying for more success in 2018. Very confident individual. Hashtag blessed. About to take my pops out to eat something. Hashtag blessed. Thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. Hashtag blessed. My two fave guys in one pick. Hashtag blessed. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, this is, I love moms. I don't know what's better. I'll just put a voice to it. Having a 4.0 GPA or a daughter who excels at hockey. Hashtag blessed, you know. Here's one for me. Just got $30 of free food from Applebee's. Hope you all have a great year. Hashtag blessed. All tournament team. Hashtag blessed. When I say my husband is the best man out there, I mean it. Hashtag blessed. Just ended the year off right and bought my first place. Hashtag blessed. This one just try to keep up. Finally watched episode 11 of Fopology of hashtag Ron J and no one thing for sure. Everyone should be so hashtag blessed and hashtag lucky to have hashtag friends like at Siggy Flicker and at Dolores Quintana. Hashtag Team Siggy, hashtag Team Dolores, hashtag Real Housewives of New Jersey. These are crazy people out there. Crazy, crazy people. Oh, here's a good one. Inches falling off slowly, but surely I'm looking good and feeling good. Hashtag queen, hashtag blessed. Hashtag happy holidays from Christian Brothers Automotive. We are hashtag blessed to serve such amazing people. Thank you all for an amazing year. Hashtag blessed. This one's cool. What a beautiful family we got to build a house for. 
went from not going to decadence to going all weekend because my friends are so amazing. I don't know what decadence is. Hashtag blessed. Wow, 2017, what a year. So great to have spent another fantastic year with family and friends. Bring on 2018. Lots of positivity. Hashtag blessed. I like this one. Just filled my fountain drink to the perfect amount without overflowing when I put the straw in. Hashtag blessed. Tay and I spent our whole morning watching The Office and dancing to Michael Jackson slash Bruno Mars. Hashtag blessed. So what's it mean to be blessed? Like if, if getting the soda just right on the cup. Now, I do hate overflowing. You know, I, I love the, I love the, like, the freestyle Coke machines. Those things are like a gift from heaven. And, but, like, I hate it when, like, you leave, like, you want to get all of that you paid for, right? If you're going to pay $5 for the soda at the, you know, at the movie theater or something, you want every drop that fits in there. But I don't want to hold a sticky cup, so you don't want it to overflow. So I get it. Like, you're feeling good about that, but are you really blessed? I don't know. Does that does that make sense? And and yeah, I think it's great the relationships and the different things, the things that we celebrate. I believe this series uh, is one of the most life changing uh, things that we can spend time on because I think as a culture we really have uh, some mixed up ideas on what it means to be blessed. And while I think it's great that you get excited over a little thing like a perfectly filled cup of soda. God wants us to understand what it means to be blessed. Uh, talking about blessing, talking about finances, talking about things like that, it's one of those difficult things to talk about because it's like talking about somebody else's kid. And if you're not saying how amazing they are, you're probably going to run into some hurt feelings really quick, and, and, and they don't want to hear, you know, about their, you know, uh, anything wrong with, with, their, with, their little, with their little poopsie. But as we take a look at the Bible and Jesus and what they have to say about money, I believe that we could move to a different level spiritually, and we will if we learn from it. And so this is one of those things um, that has been abused in the church, and uh, it's one of the things that I don't necessarily think that I avoid it. I just have gone to a lot of trouble to not focus on it, if that makes sense. And so um, as a church plant, we believe me, we have in incredible needs. Most churches do. Uh, we have a, a great pile of needs getting, you know, getting this amazing gift of a building. Um, there's a reason why it came at a half million dollar discount. <laughs> it's because it needs a half million dollars worth of work. So it's like, well, we have time, you know, and, uh, and, and free labor that work for Chinese food or whatever I feed people for lunch when they're working with me. And um, so we have these needs, but one of the reasons why I hesitate to spend much time on it is because of the abuse and uh, just the bad teaching in general that, that, that surrounds this topic. And so if you've been hurt uh, by a teaching on finances, or I have uh, one friend who, who, uh, who really avoids church altogether just because of uh, the pressure that, uh, that his mother felt and sent in more money than they probably should have to a TV type of ministry. And, um, and, and just really saw the church as, as, a, as a negative because of that. And, um, and then there's churches that really get crazy with money, uh, two different sides that, that, you, uh, that you should be poor if you're a Christian because if you have money, somebody else probably needs it. And so if you keep some, it means you're an awful person. And then the other side of the bad teaching is, well, you should have lots of it because you're a prince of the kingdom of heaven and you should roll deep. Like, I mean, gold should fall out of your pockets when you walk down the street, or you are not doing this Christian thing right, right? Like there's, there's these two extremes out there, and then you have people that I believe that beg for money out of fear, you know? Um, I worry about the bills getting paid here some months, but if I translate that into how I ask for an offering here, then I'm not trusting God, right? So all of those things, I don't think, I, I believe 99% of preachers, I'm, I'm a positive person, I like to think the best of people. I'm going to give you a solid 99% of, of, of preachers do not intend to misteach on this subject. And I surely don't. Um, but this topic, if you look at the numbers, like Jesus talks about heaven like, like 50 times, and he talks about 
uh, giving and finances like a thousand times. <laughs> like it's 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 not even it, it's the ratio is literally like like a hundred to one. Like on on compared to to most of the other things he teaches on. Um, many reasons uh, that this is so healthy for us is because Jesus came to set us free, and I don't know. Um, if I was to guess the percentage of people that I know that have financial freedom or where it's not a burden in their life, like we all have to worry about bills, I don't mean that, but where it doesn't have some sort of hold on you as far as for fear, as far as uh, possessions being something that you're concerned about, the percentage is very low in people, and it's very low in Christians. And so it's one of those things that why, why should the church look just as badly as the world in a category? And so um, now Jesus came to, he said, to make set the captives free. Notice he says free. Now, that's one of my favorite words. Uh, we got a free church. That's awesome. Uh, but notice it says that he came to set us free, not make us wealthy. So many people get stuck on, um, well, if I had more blessings, then my life would be better. Um, if, if, if I would have a, a better stream of income, then, uh, then I could do more with it. And have you seen how athletes handle millions of dollars? Do you know that the majority of them end up broke when, they're, when the money stops flowing in? It's because they never knew how to handle a $1,000 paycheck, let alone a million-dollar paycheck. So I, Dave Ramsey is one of my favorite teachers on this subject. And, and he, was, he said it, he, there was a portion of time in his life where he was making so much money that he thought he could out-earn his stupidity. And he still had to file bankruptcy because bad habits will just magnify the more money you're working with. And so you don't want somebody that's bad at handling money running money for a business or, you know, for... So the more money they have, it usually means the more that's going to be mishandled. Um... Look at the disciples. If you were to consider the disciples, most of them, most of us would say that they were blessed. Like they were taken care of. Jesus made sure they had everything they needed. They moved around. Uh, but if you look really closely, I don't know that they really owned much, you know. And, I, and, and then most of them gave their lives for their faith, you know, at the end of their life. Now, here's the thing. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about hell, more than he talked about any other topic. Why would he do that? Because there's nothing evil in money itself. And there's nothing wrong with being blessed. Like I, I look at some of the things that I have in my life and I wonder where and why I have it. You know, what, what could I have done to deserve such a thing? And the truth is, I couldn't. Um, I'm going to preach an entire message about this without asking for, it's not to build up like a pressure to ask for more. All we do with our finances here is everything comes in through the red box at the back. And the reason why we do that here at Family Church is so that there's not a pressure uh, for somebody to put in something that they don't feel like they're supposed to. And so when somebody, especially visiting our church, or it comes down, even if you know you gave something the week before, there's something of, oh, people are going to think I'm not putting anything in the bucket or something like that. Like, we worry about stupid stuff like that. And I know you do, because I do. And so I don't like it when I'm in a church and a bucket goes down and I don't have any cash on me. I give generously to our church. So I don't feel bad, like I'm, I'm, like, like I'm wrong. But you feel, yeah, I don't, I don't got a dollar, you know. And, uh, and, and so, and, and shoot, half the kids I spend time with, they don't even know what a dollar is. I, we go out to lunch with people at work, and it's like, they don't carry cash for nothing. You know, so it's like uh, the, the cash age is, is, is toast anyways. So we do the giving back there so that as you're walking by it, and, and you come in and you know what God wants you to give, then that's what I want you to do. And so there, there's no extra... Uh, offering today or anything stupid like that. I just want to teach on something that can change our life. Can we listen to Luke 16, 9 through 15? Here's the lesson Jesus is teaching. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Well, that sounds reasonable. 
Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Jesus is laying it out right here that whatever we think is really cool here, we're not, we're just scratching the surface on what it really means to be blessed. Like when we live in the presence of God 24-7 in heaven, there's, it, the throne is going to be more beautiful than the best sunset you've ever seen or the best environment you've ever been in. So take the most beautiful place you've been to on this planet and it's going to be better, right? And so the satisfaction that's going to come there. So what God is saying is if you can't handle the good things now, if you don't know how to treat them, if you don't know how to in properly enjoy them, to keep them in the right place, you can't handle what's coming your way. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things in your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And one word used here is mammon. The Pharisees, the religious leaders who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. This word mammon is weird. You ever heard the word mammon anywhere else? There's a reason why, because you probably are not Aramaic, okay? So mammon is an Aramaic word, which means riches, but it came from the Syrian God of riches. So Jesus is calling out a word that implies a spirit, not just another word for something. Like we say money, cash, dollars, you know, paper, you know, whatever. We've got a thousand words for money. I just know I don't have enough, right? And so we've got all of these terms for it. Jesus is specifically using a spiritual description of it. And the Syrian God of riches came from Babylon, and so the word means sown in confusion. The word sown, S-O-W-N, so uh, like sowing a seed. So when we have the money that comes into our house, uh, we spend it on our kids. Anybody else spend all of their money on their kids? Okay. Um, but why? Well, God gave us, gave them to us to take care of, and then we sow into the things that we believe are going to, you know, I, I've got to feed them. I, I found that out legally, you know, uh, and, uh, I, you know, they like heat, and uh, they're, they're big fans of that and, and stuff like that, and so I am investing, I'm sowing into my kids, I'm sowing into my family. That's where that's where that's where my money goes, right? And then, but we when we tithe and when we give to the church, I'm sowing intentionally into the kingdom of God. And and so this mammon word means that it would be just like a planter walking around a big field, or maybe not even field, all kinds of different uh, things on the ground, uh, uh, trees and whatever, and just. Okay, I'm going to throw a seed here. I'm going to throw a seed there, here, a seed there, a seed everywhere, a seed, seed. Old MacDonald had a farm, right? What, what kind of harvest is going to come from sowing in confusion? Now, you guys are going to get an up-close view. We've been in the city now for four and a half years. Now we're across the street from uh, Trinity's land. Trinity owns 30 acres over there, and they have a really cool guy named Kevin Harvey. He came to our church for a little bit. Him and his family farm that land. And you go over there, and you're going to see rows and rows and rows. And they're going to watch for the weather. They're going to watch for the moisture and the temperature. And they are going to do everything on purpose so that the seed that they spent a lot of money on and the equipment that they've spent a lot of money on, that it produces what? A harvest. And so, so Jesus is saying, I want you to experience a harvest. That that sounds like a good that sounds like a good God, and and that's 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 the the first thing we've got to understand is I've seen 
uh, many people, I've seen people come upon a large sum of money and be a, incredibly generous with it because that's what's already in their hearts. And so what we do with our seed that comes in, it, it just reflects what's in our hearts. So mammon is a prideful, arrogant spirit that says, I don't need God. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, this hashtag blessed is about saying that I am blessed because I am standing in the middle of God's provision for my life. I am not blessed because I work really hard and I make my money and I know how to handle it and I and I and I and I. That's a spirit of pride that says I am doing it and I don't need God. That's mammon. And so money pulls what's already in our hearts out. It's not evil on its own. It's not good on its own. But it's going to show what's in there. And for most of us, it shows that we care about the people in our life because we work really hard, we pay our bills, and we do this and this. And if, you're, if your curb looked just as embarrassing as mine did yesterday, it means we spent way too much at Christmas because we just like to give people that we love stuff that they don't need, <laughs> right? We, we want to bless people. I mean, I, I see that in people. But mammon is, is the spirit behind it. Uh, money's just paper. Uh, we, ha we use these crazy things. Uh, and there's nothing evil about this. There's nothing good about this. Money in itself isn't evil. Now, there's a, a, a Bible verse that people like to misquote. What is it? Money is the root of all. You guys know it too? We better read it. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So it's not even saying that the love of money is the root of all evil. So uh, let's, let's scale it back. It is the love of money is a root of of a lot of evil. Now, let's just be real honest. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. In other words, greed, covetousness, that's where you want something that somebody else has. Um, that's, a, that's a, how do you shake that? You know, um, because we all like nice things. And I really try to celebrate when somebody else has a cool car, even though like part of me is like, I would really like to have that car. But there comes a point where, and I've got to be careful that I don't cross a line where I, I, I think less of them because they have it. Or I begin to despise them for having it. Or I begin to despise my own life because I don't have it. Right? That, that's, where, that's where covetousness and jealousness. I'm going to go to the car show, uh, the Detroit Auto Show in January. You guys need to come with me. It's so cool. And um, I'm going to look at millions of dollars worth of machinery and just drool all over it. They're going to have to be like a, my own, you know, probably guy following me with a towel, you know, because I'm just going to go gaga over all this, these beautiful cars. But I've got to make sure that I stay grateful for what I have and that I can be happy for somebody else who has something that I like. Money can be used for good or bad. Again, it's not the money. It's the spirit. It's the love of money. When money becomes your God, here's a sad thing. How about you're at a funeral? Someone dear to you has passed. Everybody is saying the nicest things to each other in the funeral home and about the person who has passed away. And then the 10 people that actually have something to inherit from the person have to meet later. What can change there? Have you ever seen the movie Greed with Michael J. Fox and, and uh, Kirk Douglas? It's a cheesy movie from early 90s or whatever. But, like, this whole family is out to make sure, like, that they're number one in the will of, like, this millionaire, right? And so they are just scheming and backstabbing each other and trying to look like the, you know, the, the best nephew or niece. And, and, and all of this foul play because of what? Because of the greed. Because even in the story, even in the movie, the guy's got, he's a multi-millionaire. 
so what if they each walk away with a million like if they split it evenly like they're all going to be really really hashtag blessed right and yet they're all trying to make sure that they get the most right it's about the heart the problem comes in when we haven't submitted our heart to god here's the thing all money can come with a blessing or a curse if you are a generous person and you have stewarded your finances money becomes a servant to you the people that have it like i watch shark tank anybody else watch shark tank it's so fun it's like it just the money serves these people they've got they've got it in bucket loads and so it's like well i'm going to take a little bit of my money and i'm going to make another billion dollars because i've taken care of all of this so i can just I can just play games with other people's lives, you know, and like you got this little inventor like standing there like, please buy my stupid piece of crap, you know, and, and, and like it means everything to that person, right? This 50000 or $100,000 they're asking for, and then you have the Titans sitting on, on the other side, and they're like, oh, yes, child, I will give you a morsel of my millions and uh, change your life. It doesn't move these the people sitting in those chairs. It doesn't it doesn't phase them. They're going to go to sleep at night, right? So money can become a servant. Now I've seen people even have a lot of it. If they don't know how to be generous with it, then it just chews them up and they become really ugly people. But the people that have have learned how to handle it and they're generous, money is used to like move mountains. Like they can just change like you know somebody I told you guys this, right? Somebody wrote a $200,000 check to our church. The only reason why somebody could do that is if they have it, right? But what a gift. That's really cool, right? Like that, that's because they could. I, I tell, I look at, you know, I look at what, where Danielle and I have, and it's like, ooh, we could give somebody like 20 bucks. <laughs> week after christmas two dollars like uh that that'd be good if i buy you starbucks this week you're that i'm gonna be digging deep like like the money's gone and uh the kids it's all it's all you know it's all in their rooms with the stuff that we bought them last year and uh but how awesome to be able to just well let's just take I'll, i'll just do this for you have you ever given somebody something like like that they needed it is awesome because you're like, I, take this. And even if it's a shirt or a church or a car or a bag of groceries or lunch, you're, you're doing something. You're, you're using what God has given you in a pretty cool way. If you haven't stewarded well and you're in huge debt, then what's money to you? It becomes a master. And you're the servant, hashtag slave, to money, right? You're forever chasing the next bit of income because it's paying bills that were due back here. I've been in that cycle before. It is a horrible, horrible, uh, like a hamster wheel. That's what I was trying to get, get out of my little brain here. And, and it's like you're chasing your tail, right? And, and money is not a blessing, it's a curse. And it becomes something that you lose sleep over. Money can be a spiritual thermometer. Um, here's the deal. This is the case in our church and in every other church, maybe even in the history of the church, that money is one of the last areas that people trust God with. It's interesting that we would trust our souls to him for salvation but we keep that wallet like with the vice grip on it. Like, yeah, I don't know about putting you in there, God. That's that's you just might you might do something crazy, you know? Like, you don't know what that twenty dollars means to me. Are you I I work really hard for that God. How can we trust him with our souls for eternity, but we keep him out of our checkbook? Here's how you can tell if you wrestle with the spirit of mammon. And I have plenty of times in my life. So this is not a, uh, this is not a, I figured this out and you guys are dumb because you haven't, okay? 
this is a we need to check these things. You have fear or anxiety over money. Well, duh, Adam, that's pretty normal. It is normal. It's not supposed to be. That, that's, that's the message of this, of this series. It's not supposed to be. I, I think we are supposed to uh, take care of the resources coming in. I think we should have an eye on the gauges, you know, just like if, you're, if your finances were like a car, you're going to keep an eye out, you know, you're going to check the oil, you're going to put gas in, you're going to make sure of things. It should be something you maintain. But if you ever had a car that you don't know is going to start when you get in it, that's, that's miserable. Been there too. <laughs> I had a 90, we loved our 92 Accord, but towards the end of its life, uh, there was a time where it, the starter wouldn't work, and it had like, I, I forget what the, the word was, but like this pressure in the engine, and just would have trouble. And so I worked at Home Depot, but then I also worked at the uh, steakhouse in the back of the parking lot there at uh, Bryce Road Home Depot. And they had a little, their parking lot was a little more raised up. And so I would park back there, and I would back in. It was a five-speed, which everybody should know how to drive. They're better. I would back in so that with just a little nudge, I could even put my foot out the door and do a little Fred Flintstone if I had to. And I could pop the clutch in first gear every time. I had enough slope in my driveway. I'd do the exact same thing. I drove to work and back for a few months straight without a starter. No problem. But when you get into that car and you don't know if it's going to run, the car becomes a stress to you. When if you go out to a, a maintained car that you, most of us this morning, we turned the key and expected something to happen, right? <laughs> Not uh, try again, you know? Our finances should be like that. It should be something that we have to maintain. We have to be grown-ups about it. I've you can't, you can't ignore them, but it should be something that you set up and you just, it just, it's a tool, not something that defines all of your worries or all of your anxiety. You get, you see what I'm getting at? Here's the thing. So if you have fear, anxiety, or money, what if money has promised something to you, but then just getting that little bit more you, you don't feel like anything really changed. If I could just get that one thing paid off, or if I could just get this other thing. Here's the thing. Mammon promises what only God can give us. Security, significance, independence, power, freedom. Most of the people I spend time with are not looking for significance through money. I, I, I really believe that. I don't, most of the people I know are not show-offs with what they have. Um, I probably wouldn't spend much time with them if they were. Most people I know, when it comes to money, they are, they are, their security is what they are concerned about. And, and I, think to, I think for all of us, I'll just include myself, this is, that's probably one thing we just have to constantly take before the Lord, is God, help me to not put my security into my bank account or lack of, Right? What if you start thinking that your money, your problems could be solved by more money? Have you ever talked to this person? They're, they're waiting on the next breakthrough. If, if, if I get this next promotion, then everything's going to be okay. Because I'm not going to manage what I have now. I just want to add more money to the pot. That's the whole out-earning the stupidity thing. Uh, mammon uh, is a deception that money can cause in us. Here's another question for you. Does God need our money? He doesn't care about this. Does he need this? Uh, I'm pretty sure that sun's going to rise tomorrow with or without this, okay? Uh, the breath that I have in my lungs, uh, the, the grandchild that's growing in my daughter's uh, stomach, these are things that... I'm pretty excited about that if you can't tell. These are things that God does. God created us. So why does he spend so much time teaching us about this? Does he need our money? Do I need my kids' money? 
Now, granted, my son's birthday is the day after Christmas, so he has more money than I do right now. Uh, he is trying his very hardest to spend it on a dirt bike, like post-haste, like he is trying to find the right one. And uh, so, yes, between Christmas money and birthday money, my, my Benjamin's rolling pretty good right now. So he might, for a high interest, he might, uh, he might loan you something today. Uh, but uh, I don't think you want to be in debt to him because I've owed him a couple dollars before. He's brutal. <laughs> money talks, doesn't it? Mammon talks to us. Oh, if you had the right clothes. I've never been too worried about that. You ever had, had the right car? I've, I've bought some stupid cars. And I'd like to buy more. Sorry, Lord. Well, my house. I can remember one of my, uh, one of my younger, uh, one of my big kids and um, had, a, uh, had a small child and, and had a Honda whatever. Like, I, well, I need a new car. I need one that's safer for the baby. Shoot. My mom had a had a station wagon, and the only way she counted us every now and then was by tapping the brakes and listening to us thump as we rolled around in the back, right? Like, my dad was pretty serious about seatbelts, but let's be honest. For us to survive the cars and stuff that we rode in, like, I know of friends that would take naps on, like, the back shelf of cars and, like, I mean, anything would go. And, and so when I hear somebody says, I need a safer car slash newer with leather seats and a better sound system because it's safer for my little junior. What? You just are pretty sure that your life would be better with a nicer car. And I think it's okay to want things, but when you really equate my life will be better if. That's mammon. That's what I'm getting at. My life would be better if. Would, would you have something else? You, would you have a car you would enjoy more? Well, yeah. If, if I had to, I've got like the starter kit to a cool car. I need, I was uh, parked before church one day at the, at the shopping center. And so I'm in my Mini Cooper, which is a ton of fun. But then here comes a guy in a Corvette Z06, and he's a doctor, works at the ortho neuro place next door. And I just look over. It's got that nice whoa, 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 whoa. And, uh, and, uh, he, and he gets out. He actually said, nice car. I said, nice car. I said, I said, I said I've got the supercharger too, but I wish I had the other four cylinders. Like, uh, I could have, I believe I could have more fun in that car, but if I get to the place where I really believe that my life would be better if I had it, then I've crossed the line. And, and we all trip over that at different times. So M Mammon says if you had more money, people would listen to you. If you had more money, it would solve your problems. If you had more money, it would make you happier. If you had more money, your marriage would be better. Because you wouldn't fight if there was enough money. I've heard that. A lot. I think Danielle and I, it, it probably helped that we pretty much went into youth ministry pretty young. We just kind of both figured out pretty quick we were never going to have a lot. So uh, we decided to fight about other stuff. And uh, But if you had more money, your marriage would be better. If you had more money, your life would be better. Jesus never told anyone that the answer to his problems was more money because the enemy likes to use the lure of the love of money to take the place of of God. Here's another one. I mentioned this earlier. If I had more money, I could help people. I can't give now, but I would if I had it. I've said that before. Or I've said I would give more, you know, and I'm, I'd like to think I would. Luke 16.10 says, again, he who is faithful in what is, in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So he who is faithful with little 
a word here for us is to practice now. Practice being generous now. You might not. Now, if God tells you to buy something for somebody, you better do it no matter what you have, okay? But let's just say you're out with somebody, a uh, co-worker, whatever else, and you're like, I, I'm going to just buy their lunch today. Not because it's the whole, well, I buy it today, you buy it next week, yada, yada. That's not really giving anybody anything. But if you practice now, then you're going to be really good at it when anything else comes down the line. Jesus actually makes a big deal about a woman. It says a widow that put two, uh, for, for us it'd be like putting a couple pennies, a couple coins in the offering box at the temple. And he criticizes the wealthy religious leaders and he said, you guys make a show about this is how much I give. So welcome to the Pastor Adam Worship Center because I paid for it. Please. He sees this woman take a couple coins and he puts them into the treasury and he says, she gets it. She gets it. Those two coins... It did cost her more. It was a. It was a. It. It would have hurt her if you want to use that word financial. Like it. The 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 checks these guys were writing. Not only were they pompous about it, but it it also was not affecting their bottom line. And if anything, they were using it to to prop themselves up. This woman had little, and gave out of the little she had. And but she did it for all of the right reasons. And that's another reason why we do that box is, is like I said, there's not a, a pressure to do it. The Bible actually says if you feel pressured into giving, that you shouldn't give. If you can't give with a joyful heart, you shouldn't give. You're, you're, you're kind of wasting your money if you do. There, there's, there's not a blessing attached to it if it's not out of that right spirit. And so uh, that's something else we can pray for. Uh, Danielle and I have... Um, We've had to learn this to practice now because uh, we've we've made choices to live off of my income uh, to keep her home with kids. Uh, but we have been uh, faithful to tithe for most of our marriage. And I'll, I'll admit to you, there's times where we haven't, where we've gotten behind on bills. And it's like, well, if I'm paying this thing that's late here, then I can't in good conscience write a check out to the church. And 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 so I've we, we've got there a few times. But for most of our marriage, we have tithed, uh, uh, and then we've given to other needs along the way. I don't say that to, um, to promote us or puff us up. What I say it for is that uh, God has given um, me this position to teach other people, and, and I, have to, I have to learn myself. If I'm going through a series, it's usually because God is doing some more work on it in me as well. And then just like I would teach uh, kids, my kids, to tithe, uh, you try to tell a 10-year-old who just made $20 uh, mowing the lawn or doing something that he needs to tithe. Uh, you're not a popular dad. And, and, but Danielle and I have felt that with our kids that they are there to understand that what they do after they're out of our house is up to them. But while they're in our house, they're, they're going to they're going to do it what I believe is, is how they're supposed to do it. And, and so we've done that. Uh, we've got used but nice cars, and, and I, I look at my house, and I'm like, God, how do you do this? I, I can't do it. I'm continually amazed at how much we're able to enjoy. We make some sacrifices because of mostly because we've kept her home with the kids. And so when, when you do that, you've got to choose older cars instead of newer cars and vacations to, like, you know, Reynoldsburg instead of, uh, instead of, <laughs> we're going all the way down 256 this time. <laughs> we're going for it. <laughs> uh, or, you know, we venture off the dollar menu or whatever. No. Uh, but no, seriously, I look at our life and I'm like, what are we really giving up? Like, God, you just keep doing this crazy stuff. 
we were faithful with little, and God has given us a little bit more and a little bit more. And what's interesting, I, I asked, I, was, I couldn't remember the dollar amount, but we had a Christmas where I, I think it was $20 each was, was our budget for each other. And either Lily was small or we could have even just been before. before. And, uh, and so that was our, like, we probably could have maybe spent a little bit more and not like, you know, not like had to just eat uh, ramen noodles. But like that was really all we could afford to spend on each other at, at one of those early Christmases. And, like, we had a early, like, budget policy. Like, you had to, the other person had to know about $20 purchases. Like, you, that you just can't just be throwing 20s around like you're, you're rolling deep, right? And, like, and it's, like, now it's, like, okay, if, if, if I want to, there's, like, this extra cushion of, you know, and, and she just kind of rolls her eyes at, 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 at most of my silliness that I get involved with. And, uh, but it's, like, if I want to go do this, no big deal. If I want to go do this, no big deal. And so God just continues to breathe into that. I believe if we hadn't practiced when we had very little, that it would be not only difficult for us now, but I don't believe we would be able to. And the reason for that is because it's a lie that says, I can start being generous when more comes to me. Because generosity is, is found in what is, is giving out of what you already have. And so anybody can be generous with something that's coming down the road. Like, I know something's coming, bonus check or tax return, which is really your money, by the way. But, uh, and, and, but you have this extra money coming, and so you kind of, well, I'm going to, do something then. Generosity says, I'm going to take something that I have and I'm going to give it to you. And, and not worry about what it cost me. Here's the deal. Mammon gets us in two different ways. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. Mammon speaks through poverty and it speaks through pride. The spirit of poverty is a mentality that causes you to be ashamed of the blessings of God. Uh, so let me give you an example of this. Um, uh, like I said, I uh, mentioned earlier, Daniel and I, we, it's really, we don't really fight about money. We get frustrated about it together. Like the, we'll get frustrated over the lack of for something, but it's not something we've really ever battled with between each other. Just it's, we've mutually, <laughs> like I said, it, it really is that honest. We mutually know that, it's this is what we have and that's it and um and uh and so i've thought of myself as as maybe not having a big hang up with with money but here's something that happened so uh we were moving out of the if you guys didn't know i'll tell you a couple cool things about being here in this building uh the first house on the other side of the street danielle and i lived in for almost 10 years when i was on staff at trinity which is across the street so that's the parsonage and came with, that was built in the salary. Translation, I made a very little bit of money, but we lived in a house that was paid for. So we moved out of there when the new pastor came in, and, and we had to buy a house. Well, we wanted to live in Pickerington. It's a nice town. Uh, guess what? This isn't that cheap of a place to live, uh, if you haven't noticed. And uh, so we're looking, and uh, we had a budget of, uh, uh, we'll, I'll just tell you, 140000 what, 130? 150, that was our max. She knows all this stuff. Well, that that's like pre-bubble bursting. Like that didn't it gets you a house here in Pickerington, but you gotta really you gotta really try to find something. And and uh, and so we're moving around and we get into this neighborhood. Uh, most of you some of you have been to our house, and uh villages at Sycamore Creek. All those houses sold for 200 plus when they were new. And so we get there because it's a foreclosure. Jackpot. And so we get this house for like 50 grand off, you know, and so I don't make too big a big deal about that because my neighbors all paid a lot more. And half of them go here. Probably shouldn't have told this story. But I mean, this is what houses cost. You guys know this. 
Here's the problem. I was a youth pastor when I bought it. And there was part of me that felt embarrassed. Like, I liked my house. Don't get me wrong. But I felt like guilty for having it. Or like when people would see it, they would know, let's see, your wife is home with the kids. Either you're ripping the church off or you're selling drugs or, you know, and, uh, you know, how this doesn't, you know, what's going on, you know? And, and so I would feel like I would have to tell people the story. It's a cool story. You know, God provided a way for us to get a nice house, had holes all over the place and, and, uh, and crazy, you know, uh, stuff that I was able to fix and do. And, uh, and so God put us in this house that we could afford and got this nice house. But I felt like I had to explain that to everybody that saw it. Like, this is, this is why we were able to be here, you know? Now, if I give my son something, which I do often, or I give one of my daughters something, or my son-in-law, and they say, and they feel like they have to justify why I gave it to them, to other people, why can't they just say, this is what my dad gave me? kind of cool right and and so there's that spirit of poverty and there's people in the church that have it there's people that feel like that i i don't know that i should have a nice car like i don't know that i could be here i don't know that i can have this thing or i don't think that i think that person has too much stuff you want to see some interesting conversations go online and see what people say about some of my favorite preachers that have crazy big churches or whatever else. I, I don't know that a pastor should have that nice of a house. What are they saying? First of all, they're saying that they're not happy with what they have. They're speaking into somebody else's situation that they really don't understand. And they're saying that God can't God can't give somebody else something that he didn't give you? I, I don't know. Like, I want to be okay with, like, one thing I got from my parents is that I really don't care where you live. Like, I, I'm, I will sit in, an, in a nasty little apartment, and I will also, I might say really nice house when I go into some place, but I'm not just going to go gaga, like, and, and treat somebody better because they live in a really nice house like I I really don't care where you live I'll be happy for you if you have something nice but can't we just be okay with what God is doing in somebody else's life so there's the spirit of poverty which that's it either says I'm never going to have enough or I've got to be afraid of what I have and like I'm going to lose it or I'm going to be a, I have to be ashamed of what I have and then there's the spirit of pride the spirit of pride says, I did this. The spirit of pride says, my house is nicer than your house. Or the spirit of pride says, I would be a better person if I had a nicer house. Or like these, these are the kind of things. And, and so one of those things, and sometimes both, can have a hold on us. And so what God showed me, even through that thing with my own house, is that I shouldn't be embarrassed about something cool that God did for our family. And so now when I talk about it, it's just it's basically to, to say that he's awesome, right? It's not because I want somebody to understand why I can live where I live. And it's a, you know, it's a nice house. Um, imagine me giving my son a gift and someone compliments him on it and he has to make excuses for his dad giving it to him. Here's the thing. When I understand where this comes from, I understand where it's going, believe me. That 20 won't stick around for too long. When I understand that what is in my life is not really mine, um, then that allows me to be in a place where I can 
give it away if God tells me to give it away. If I'm losing something or something is broken or something like that, I can be like, God, um, how are we going to do this? You know, God gave us this church. It needs a lot of stuff. And it's like I can spend a lot of time worrying about that. But what I really need to be doing is saying, God, it's, it's yours. So how are we going to do this together? God, you've, these are my kids. Uh, they seem to want to go to the doctor's office every few weeks. Um, how do we pay for that? Right? Those are the questions that I get to ask because I know who's really taking care of me and my kids. Um, this series is about our heart, and, and, and uh, it's, a, it's about what God has for us. And, and, and just like I opened up with those hashtags on Twitter, on, uh, on the Twitters, is blessed a, a perfectly filled cup of cherry vanilla Coke at Wendy's? Delicious. Is blessed your daughter having a 4.0 and being an awesome hockey star? Is blessed having a great spouse? I think yes, and I know yes to most of those. I don't know about the soda. But for me, and one of the lessons that we're going to teach on one of these is, is the Apostle Paul says this great phrase. He says, I've learned to have a lot, and I've learned how to have a little. And in both of those situations, say, I am blessed. That's where we need to get to. And inside here, inside a church, our hearts should look different than those in the world. This is one of those areas that I believe that if God gets a hold of us, gets a hold of you and gets a hold of me, this is one of those things that will draw other people to the Lord. Because I've talked to neighbors, I've talked to friends, and this is an area that has people held hostage, one way or the other. And you tell me if I'm lying. What's the percentage of your friends that are being held in bondage right now by either a spirit of poverty, a spirit of pride, or both? We've uh, been watching uh, just Lily as her and Jaime have moved out west, and, they're, and, and he's at Camp Pendleton with a bunch of other awesome Marines. And Lily is telling me these stories of other families not having food in their house of worrying about paying for bills and, and, and all these things. Like, they are surrounded by young people that are absolutely struggling to figure this thing out. Right? And so if you can speak a word of hope, that's what this Christian walk is about. It's saying, God, God set me free in this area, or he's working on me in this area. This is something God showed me, and I want to share it with you. Can we pray this morning? Father God, I thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that it's your truth. God, I thank you that you love us. God, I thank you that to be blessed means to be your child, regardless of what's in our driveway, regardless of the roof that's over our head, regardless of the address on the street, uh, regardless of of a numerical value that's in our pocket or in our checking account. God, I thank you that it's blessed to be your kid. And Father God, we declare your freedom from the spirit of mammon, this, this, this spirit that would cause us to be prideful, or to have a spirit of poverty, God, where we don't believe that you can ever give us enough and that we'll never have enough. 
God, I thank you that your word brings wholeness to us in every area. And that you care about every heart and every struggle. We just worship him this morning. We're going to finish with a song called I Will Trust in You. And that's what this series is about as we stand and worship together. God, would you just lead us into freedom in this area? God, would you help us to hold on to you instead of holding on to anything else? Release your freedom in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.